0: Hey, kiddos. Welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real dads with real feelings. I'm your host, Merritt, And this week, Star Trek Dad Feelings Week rolls on. Week? Month. It's a month. My brain is in space, which is where Star Trek is set, um, because I'm up there with all the tribbles and so forth. And um And that voice you hear is my guest this week, Trin Garitano of the Friendshipping podcast who you may remember from our episode on Fred Rogers a couple of months ago. And I'm so glad to have you back.
1: I am so glad to be back talking about my number one fictional dad after talking about my number one for real, real life dad person.
0: Yeah, because we are talking this week uh, about Benjamin Sisko, the captain, well, sort of captain, commander, uh, lead captain figure character of the Deep Space Nine series.
1: The number one dad of space. Number 1 space
0: dad. It's on his <laughs> desk right next to his baseball.
1: Oh my god, my heart. Merit, this is already so amazing because <laughs> I I love everything about Cisco. I love I love all of his flaws. I love like everything uh that I love that he has passions. He's got a freaking baseball on his desk. It's just he's just such a good character and a good dude and he just tries his best all the time and like what more can you ask for out of a human being, right?
0: Right. I mean, yeah, let's start from the top. So let's give some background for on this character for people who maybe haven't seen Deep Space Nine. I will say, I will put out there that Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek series. And it's what got me into Star Trek because it's so different from other Star Trek series for a number of reasons, right? So first of all, you have um, like Gene Roddenberry passes away right before it comes out. And uh, some of the, the staff and the crew or like the, the people writing it want to explore more conflict between crew members. And uh, that's something that Gene Roddenberry was never really too keen on. Um, but now that he's not really in the picture, they get to sort of do that. And all the characters sort of have like really strong passions or, or beliefs or values. And none of them are necessarily wrong at any one time or, or made out to be bad or evil. But they are in conflict, Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the character of Cisco. starts out his entire run in a very deep conflict. I mean, he wants to quit Starfleet at the very beginning of the show in the first episode in the pilot.
0: Right, right. Because so we talked about Picard last week on Dad Feelings. And there is a a point in uh, The Next Generation where Picard is assimilated by the Borg and basically forced to be their mouthpiece and sort of their herald for their invasion of Starfleet space. And Cisco's wife was killed by the Borg um, in the battle when, like, the Borg are basically attacking um, Earth, or the Soul... Yeah, like, the R-Star system. Um, And he blames Picard for this. And uh, he's, like, like, you know, kind of aimless and purposeless and just, like, is really, like, upset, obviously. Um, And then he gets this new commission to... Uh, to go serve on Deep Space Nine, which is the space station that has just been recently abandoned by the Cardassians, who were basically occupying this planet Bajor and were pushed out of it by this resistance movement.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's a kind of a crappy job that he gets, (laughs) you know? Like, he shows up onto Terok Nor, now Deep Space Nine, and everything's kind of, like, dusty and garbage, and everything's kind of, like, falling apart. Uh, And he's really there to be, like... The, the the principal of the school, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just mm-hmm. kind of showing up and trying to get all of thing, all these things in order so that um, the Bajorans, so the oppressed uh, alien race uh, that was oppressed by the Cardassians uh, can become ready to be absorbed into the Federation. And it's an enormous task um, and it's, to him, it seems to be like outside of a direct conflict, a direct battle, uh, but that becomes less and less so the case as as the show goes on. Um, so, like, he just came out of, like, a, a, a deep, you know, depression and, and and w- as you were saying, like, wandering uh, through life and then he gets this new commission. And, man, as luck would have it, a gigantic wormhole pops up right next to fucking Deep Space Nine and now all of a sudden it's really important. <laughs> right, now before? it's the most
0: important tactical position in, like, in the entire quadrant.
1: That sucks, man. Yeah, wow, <laughs> jeez.
0: And, uh... And yeah, that's what's another interesting thing about the show to me is that previous Star Trek series and later ones as well, for the most part, are about a, a ship and a captain and a crew. And they're like about the adventures that the crew has as they explore space. And so the captains of previous, uh, previous Star Trek series, like Picard and, um, and uh, uh, the other one,
1: Kirk, that's the guy. I was yeah, like Shatner. He barely, like he barely matters. I he, mean, I know. mean, he's not much of a dad, mm.
0: so we don't really talk about him on this show. Um, but they're they're <laughs> drivers. They're just passing through. They're uh, they're exploring. Um, and Cisco is in a fixed position and is sort of building up this this relationship between Bezier and the Federation. Is sort of rebuilding Deep Space Nine. Um, He's often in a negotiation role. He's in this sort of like um, this role of like maintaining peace on the station. And he he is much more and this is something that some of the creators of the show have talked about. He's much more of a builder kind of character than a, a driver or an explorer.
1: Yeah, he's like a politician in a lot of ways, too. I mean, he's a religious figure um, in a very real way to the Bajorans um, uh, in a probably a, a really long discussion that maybe we won't have in dad feelings. Uh, but, like, he has to be a great communicator on so many different levels. Um, so, I mean, even I think that he's like the dad of the station. I mean, people keep tattling on each other to him. Uh, all conflicts involve him and his, his advice. Um, he is such a fatherly presence i feel like over the entire mess that is deep space nine
0: right right yeah he is a dad on so many levels he is like the political dad he's like the the principal as you mentioned the religious stuff he becomes like the spiritual leader to the bajorans who call him like the emissary um because he uh and he ends up communicating with these uh these aliens that are alternately called like the wormhole aliens um, or the prophets who are like this super advanced race who live in the wormhole that opened above deep space nine um and so he's like has all these competing roles but many of them share the quality of requiring him to be very diplomatic um inspiring and just good at sort of holding things together
1: and he's a for-real dad, too. He's got his little boy, Jake, who was like 11 at the start of this. Oh, my God, Merritt! I was just, just doing some a little bit of research before the show, and I was looking at like the Star Trek wiki of pictures for everybody. Holy shit, did Deep Space Nine run for like eight decades? Because everybody looks so wee and like a tiny baby on their pictures compared to how they do <laughs> at the end of the show. It was like looking at, looking at a picture of Jake in the beginning of the series and Jake at the end of the series. He was like weathered. It was like Obama. Obama. Obama at first in the inauguration and then after like eight years of like just being stuck being our president. It was just like it was so intense and everything they go through together is so intense. Uh, And I love how they maintain such a normal father son dynamic with all of the normal ups and downs and normal conflicts that there are between family members when they're in these really extraordinary situations.
0: Right. Yeah. And actually, that's something that Avery Brooks has talked about with Cisco is um, talking about how important this relationship between Ben and Jake is. Um, And that's also something that Siric Lofton, who played Jake, talked about and basically says that like with Jake, um, that relationship with Jake brings out the human in Cisco he's not just a commanding officer he's not just like the firm boss who has to make the hard decisions he's he's also this playful guy who's like really affectionate and sweet and like something that is um, a, a super rare thing in my experience like watching any kind of TV is seeing like a father like being physically affectionate with his son and just like hugging him and like kissing him on the head and like it's It's a lot. It's like really, really touching and intense.
1: It really is. And he calls him Jayco. And they're so adorable. And there's so many episodes um, that really revolve around their dynamic. Uh, Like they don't just sideline Jake as like, you know, the forgotten son while he's going off into space. Um, It was really like... This is a family in their extraordinary circumstances in space. And I feel like you get the sense that maybe Jake feels a little bit bitter because he knows, like, you know, his mom was taken away from him because of this life. Um, but he follows his dad throughout the entire series. Sisko um, goes through um, a, a deep pit of, of, of hard times and goes back to to live on Earth. And Jake comes with him and Jake gets uh, uh, his body's taken over by a paw wraith, which is like a bad demon, and Cisco's like, "Cool, all right." Like they do so many things together, and they both—I I feel like—they kind of like bump like a log on a river they just kind of like deal with the ups and downs of each other's lives and it's just a really beautiful thing man jake hooks up his dad with his like new wife i mean spoilers. i don't know this (laughs) was like 20 years ago yeah
0: i feel like if you're listening to this episode you have to be willing to accept that. that's what i'm hoping yeah right yeah he gets him (laughs) together with cassidy
1: and Cassidy is such a badass. She's so good. Cassidy I feel like is kind of more, you know, if you want to go for, like thinking about this in really traditional like stereotypical roles in a family, Cassidy is so dad and Cisco can be so like mom in like such a beautiful way. They have a really wonderful dynamic like start to finish with that whole thing. Oh man, I'm like kicking my feet around about Cassidy. She's so great.
0: <laughs> right, she's this pilot. And um, she's, like, coming back and forth between the station and, like, doing, like, running jobs and things. And, like, she shows up and, like, like she'll be like, "Hey, what's up? I'm here." And Cisco's like, "Oh, I cooked you this wonderful meal. Like, come in, come in."
1: <laughs> he loves cookie, cooking, cooking uh, jambalaya for her. It's so cute, right?
0: Because and and it's great too because um, his father is a recurring character on the show as well, who lives on Earth and like distrusts like replicator food and doesn't think it's as good. And taught him to cook, and now runs this restaurant in New Orleans. And like they go and like spend time with him and like. Or, like, talk to him over, like, the video phone or whatever. And it's, like, these three generations. um, And it's, like, a really great family
1: it's so I think it's really beautiful the artistry that runs throughout their entire family so like the the grandfather uh, Joseph is a chef and uh, Cisco loves art like you'll see um, uh, like African masks on his walls and he's uh, when uh, Jake mentions that he writes poetry uh, uh, Cisco's like so excited about that because mm-hmm. it's such a he appreciates it so much and you know Jake becomes a writer uh, and like I said they have normal conflicts on any other, like any other family and uh, I can Saying Cisco, even though they're all named Cisco, but Captain Cisco, uh, at first is is hesitant about Jake wanting to be a writer. He assumes he's going to go into Starfleet and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. blah. And like that is such a normal thing to assume that your son will follow in your footsteps. But then he accepts and, and loves Jake exactly how he is, and and sees that he's chosen a life for himself. And I just I love that whole progression of them not shying away from like. like Cisco's not perfect and Jake's not perfect. And together they are imperfect. But they are such a good, interesting, cute little family. And I love them. The end.
0: It's very good. It's very good. Um Yeah, yeah. Um there's a great episode too where I mean it turns into like an adventure because it's Star Trek and it and it goes disastrously wrong, but they go camping and uh it's like Cisco I mean, I call him Cisco because that's what everyone on the show calls him because everyone on the show calls each other by their by their last names for the most part.
1: Oh yeah, and he's the Cisco. He's
0: the Cisco and Jake is Jake.
1: <laughs> right, um, right, right.
0: Yeah, so um they go camping. Um do you remember that one where he goes he and Jake and then I think like Quark and Nog?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I think they're doing a science project. Uh, no, no. So Jake gets assigned a science project by uh uh Keiko O'Brien, who's so amazing and I could talk about her forever. Uh but they so so uh Cisco's like, oh hey, why do a normal science project with like making a potato battery when I can take you to to the uh gosh, which quadrant is it? The one that's unexplored? Shit.
0: Uh uh which is the there's it, four? It's the Gamma delta Quadrant. Qu-
1: gamma the, Quadrant. That's the Delta Quadrant
0: is the one from Voyager, I'm pretty sure.
1: Right, 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 right. So yeah, he's like, let me just take you to another quadrant of the galaxy <laughs> for your science project. <laughs> that sounds safe. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's do it. So and then Jake's like, oh, but I told Nog he could come. So Nog is um, his Ferengi friend and uh, Ferengi culture and human culture are so different. And they come into conflict so many times. But their friendship is so beautiful. And they, they change each other in, in such uh, constructive way it's so their whole friendship is really wonderful too anyway so nog's like oh yeah i'm i'm gonna bring my uncle and so now it's this party of four when cisco was expecting he'd get a break from quark and he'd get a break from work uh but he goes with the flow anyway uh and then and then horrible things happen right i forgot what happens next is it gem hadar that show up
0: i think that's the maybe the first time they meet the gem hadar
1: oh shit i think you're right Man, what a what a way to meet one of the main antagonists <laughs> of Deep Space Nine right. on a they, camping trip with your son. They go
0: camping and meet these genetically engineered like super warriors who are created solely for the purpose of enforcing the will of this race of like shape shifting amoral like demigods
1: yeah oh yeah and then so quark the the uncle and Cisco, the Cisco get captured by the Jemhadar, and then Nag and Jake have to figure out how to like pilot a ship and like go pick them up again, uh-huh. uh, and it's like you know that guy that's our vice president, Mike Pence, says you can't fake good kids, well, Jake is freaking rad and so is nog like they performed a rescue mission at the age of like 17 they're incredible uh and just like the the way that they worked with each other and the way that they collaborated together i think was just so indicative of what a good job parenting that uh captain cisco did i really do think that he really taught jake how to be Um, how to acknowledge other people's cultures, how to respect everybody around him, and how to bring out the best um, in everybody he works with. And I think you see that with Jake over and over again.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Jake yes. rules. Oh, he's so great. He's so great. I love
1: Jake. So, this is here's a fun Jake fact. A yeah, fun Jake please. fact I, I learned on the internet is Jake is the only human regular character on any Star Trek series who was not in a Starfleet, who was never in Starfleet and who never wore a Starfleet uniform. He's the only one. So, he's the only human civilian that we see. Wow. Yeah. Wait. And I think that. Like the only recurring,
0: who, I, the only like main or recurring
1: character? Yes. Okay. So um, so th- they didn't count Keiko in that, which I think is kind of annoying because Keiko is pretty badass. And if you ever do mom feelings about Keiko kill O'Brien, <laughs> you just let me know. One time I got really drunk on Tumblr and wrote about her because she's incredible. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like he's the, he's the only main and recurring human character who is is never in Starfleet. And I, I think that's such an interesting... choice to make for a show that made so many firsts um, including like you know showing this family and this you know family dynamic and this stationary place um so you're right it's not like there's a monster every week it's like here's a home and here are the people who kind of like fly in and out of it
0: right yeah yeah and speaking of firsts too i mean um the fact that that cisco is like a black character and like is a black starfleet captain um is like was a pretty big deal and like the show has a, a, like a fair range of of gender and racial um diversity but but the character of Cisco like that's something that um that Avery Brooks has talked about when he was considering taking it. And it, it turns out that he actually was not that, like, into the idea of being on Star Trek at first and assumed that they were going to put him in some kind of, like, big, like, prosthetics or something. And he was just like, well, I don't know. And then his car broke down on the way there and he's like, <gasps> oh, I can't do it. Sorry, my car broke down. They're like, no, no, we'll <gasps> reschedule the audition. And basically, um, like, um, his wife uh, told him, he's like, like, just you can't not do this. And so he's talked about how, like, well, like, it's important that there's, like, a black man in a command position, but it's also, like, really important um, for kids to, like, be able to see themselves on screen and, like, see imagine, like, in the future um, that they could be doing something like that. Like, that they oh, could absolutely. be doing something important. Um, and I didn't, like, there's, like, a I guess some other occasions where, like, things were changed or, like, tweaked or played with because of... Um, of um his input so like there is I guess so like the end of the series is basically like cisco um we find out that cisco is like is kind of like a prophet right because his mother was possessed by a prophet um his real mother or his biological mother I should say and Mm -hmm. um so he is a prophet which is why he is like the the um uh emissary and so he goes to like to be with them for a while um, and, uh, and he like disappears. And, um, originally the, um, the script was, uh, was going to say something like, um, like, so at this point, Cassidy Yates is pregnant. Um, mm. and it was going to say something like, Oh, like I can never, like, I, I I can never come back because I'm, I'm a prophet, like, sorry. And, uh, Avery Brooks was like, I don't want to do that because like I don't want to have this trope of like a black man um, like leaving his pregnant wife wow. and so they changed it to like oh I will come back I'll be back someday like I will be coming back and like everyone's like oh yeah he will be back at some point he's just like just chilling with like with the prophets right now
1: <laughs> oh my god I didn't know that that's so cool
0: yeah yeah
1: Oh my gosh, I love, there's so many things about Cisco that I love, and you're you're so right, they don't shy away um, from his blackness, and I feel like they could have very easily, I, I have some, okay, 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 I'm going to trash talk Voyager real quick. Sometimes when I'm watching Voyager, I feel like they cast a woman in a role written for a man. I feel like they don't, and I'm not saying that like a, a Starfleet captain has to be super femme or anything like that, but... In the way that I think Janeway fails, really, as a female Starfleet captain. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of hate mail about that.
0: Um, <laughs> is,
1: uh, I think Cisco truly succeeds as uh, portraying blackness on Star Trek. I mean, it's it's apparent everywhere. Uh, his uh, Creole roots with his father. Uh, when he goes back in time, he talks about like being viewed as a black person in Earth's history. It's not something that's uh, completely missing from his mindset, even though we're talking about hundreds of years in the future. Um, like I mentioned the the african masks on the walls Uh, jake uh, goes through great great lengths to get uh, cisco this willie mays baseball card and willie mays was one of the uh uh the first I i believe one of the first black american uh like prominent baseball players um so it comes up over and over again and it's a part of him uh and i just think that that is such a good interesting and daring choice i mean i when i would, was a kid in the 90s i didn't think about like uh you know this is oh, oh back in the day in the 90s when everybody was so bad and not progressive but we are talking about like you know 25 20 years ago uh and and i think they did a really good job i mean obviously i'm not going to be like the number one arbiter as to whether or not it was there's a good portrayal of a black man in the media but um from my uh, vantage point um i think they did a good job i'd love to know what other people think
0: Right, yeah, what is that um the well, we're getting into time travel episodes which is going to get to one really really intense episode, but um but oh, yeah, what is. is uh the episode where um I don't know if it's a time travel episode or something, I think it's a he's he's having visions, the one where um he's a science fiction writer.
1: Oh, um... <sighs> I know which episode you're talking about. I forgot what it's called. It's one of the best ones. Um, so it's when um, Cisco. Oh, Far Beyond the Stars. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So you're talking about the one where Cisco is uh, in a like a kind of like alternate reality, not where he goes back in time and is stuck in a time loop, right?
0: No, this isn't the one where he's, he's stuck in time. This is the one where he's like. Um, he's like science uh, fiction He's a science he's fiction, a science writer. fiction yeah. writer, yeah.
1: And he's essentially, like, creating the meta world of Deep Space Nine, writing it on his, on his walls. Oh, my God. What an incredible episode of Star Trek and an incredible episode of television. And I'm pretty sure Avery, Avery Brooks uh, directed that episode, right? I think
0: he did, yeah.
1: Ugh, a multi-talented man. Jazz pianist, director, actor, Avery Brooks. My God.
0: Incredible. Incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and if you if anybody listening hasn't seen that episode, and you want to like tantalize yourself with a part of Deep Space Nine, you're willing to like not understand what the hell is happening. Watch that episode completely out of context.
0: (laughs) It's very good. It's very, very good. But speaking of time travel. Oh, my God, we have to talk about the visitor, right?
1: Oh, of course, we have to talk about the visitor. Oh, my goodness. Okay.
0: Oh Merit. man! Oh man!
1: Start us off, Merritt. Oh my gosh! This is going to be a deep dive.
0: Okay, we open on a house in the Louisiana Bayou. <laughs> it's a dark and stormy night as an elderly Jake Cisco injects himself with an unknown compound, and he he is greeted by a young woman named Melanie who wants to hear about his life and his story, and uh, and he says that, and she wants to know why he stopped writing. And he says, well, I'll tell you why I stopped writing. It's when my father died when I was 18 years old. And it's like, what?
1: (laughs) You're like, he died off camera? He was a main character.
0: Right, right. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. No, man. That episode, I think that... I probably cried the most at that episode out of all the Deep Space Nine episodes, except for the one where, where Nog uh, deals with his PTSD. Mm. Oh, oh my God. So basically, Cisco just gets caught. I say just as though it's like no big freaking deal. But he gets uh, he touches something that's electronic and it gets him caught in a time loop. And uh, Jake lives through his whole life seeing flashes of his father appear because time is moving super slowly for him. And Jake gives up his writing and goes into science to try and save his father. And like his wife leaves him and like his whole life is miserable and everything is bad. And then finally, I mean, they solve it and things are okay but it shows you the depths of their devotion to each other
0: it's so much it's like yeah basically just like they realize that Cisco is like reappearing uh, close to to Jake every every uh, few years and uh and when Jake realizes like they try to get him back for a while and he fails and then basically jake starts devoting his entire life to this to like bringing his father back um he leaves his wife who he's married uh or his wife leaves him i should say he goes back to school to like study like quantum mechanics and everything and just like devotes his whole life to like getting his father out of this whole thing and the whole time his father is just like you know he's only there for a few minutes at a time and he doesn't want to stressed out about that stuff he just wants to know how he's doing and and just be like just tell me you're okay tell me you're happy and like like i want to like meet your family and everything and it's very much like this comment on like you know watching your kids grow up i think like um i mean in one sense it's, it's this very tragic extraordinary science fiction story about this man who is like stuck out of time and his son trying to rescue him and at the same time it's like this story about like the infrequency with which adult children like you know visit their their parents or like the the sort of greater distances that develop over time.
1: Yeah, I um when you uh when we talked about me being on the podcast to talk about Cisco, that was the first episode that I thought of. Uh because it left me with feelings of, you know, Jake lived unhealthily, you know. Um he devoting his life to saving his dad. Like he didn't just devote his life and his studies to it. I mean, it was every waking moment. Um it was uh, I mean he he lived and breathed only to figure out uh, how to get his dad back, and eventually, like as you said, you know, because Cisco kept appearing near Jake, they figured out that jake that Jake was actually tethering cisco to 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 life or to the time or whatever uh and Jake solves this by killing himself, so the beginning of the episode, when he injects that stuff into himself, it's actually a poison uh and, and he falls dead at the end and it resets the time cycle and uh, i I believe Cisco keeps the memories of what happened, yeah he does which is so terrifying, by the way, to have to live the rest of your life knowing that in this alternate universe, like your kid like ruined his life for you. What? Um, but I, I, I've thought about that more now. And I think about myself being in that situation or really anybody. And if you knew that you were the only person who could break somebody out of a time prison, you know, no matter who that is, I mean, I feel like that would fuck you up pretty hard. (laughs) You might go back to school and learn how to deal with physics and quantum stuff. You know, like I think that just shows that Jake is a good person uh, and and, uh, empathizes and has compassion. It's not just his devotion to his dad. But I mean, it's really like, man, how bad would that suck for Cisco to be stuck in that five minutes for like the rest of his existence?
0: Absolutely. It's yeah that's a lot <laughs> it's um yeah and basically like it's like what jake realizes is specifically like that um you know if he uh if he dies when cisco isn't present he'll be st- like stuck in subspace forever and so like he actually has to die like when cisco is there and oh, so like God, he deliberately has that. to kill himself when his father's there and his and ben is just like Horrified, and it's just like, don't do it. And Jake just is like, no, like, I have to because I'm gonna, I'm saving two lives, like, yours Whoa. and like the boy that I was, and who, cause he needs his father. And like, he dies in his father's arms as this old man. And it's just like, God, it's a lot.
1: Oh, how, and I feel like they go, they, they pan like back to the future, and like, Cisco is there with Jake, and he's just kind of shaking it off, like, okay. All right, I guess I'm gonna live with this from now on. Man, like I'm pretty sure the the episode just ends like, okay, Jake, let's go home. Like something like super minor like that, but like loving. Oh God, that screws me up. And I feel like that that has become a trope. Like I've seen other science fiction shows use the like person trapped in time. Um, situation again, and do you, can you think of any? Because I feel like I—I'm I sure a, a Doctor list.
0: Who has done it.
1: Oh my God! Of course, Doctor Who has done it. But I mean, so so um the the creators of um the reimagined Battlestar Galactica are the same people who worked on Deep Space Nine. Is that correct? I can double check that on the um, internet.
0: Yeah, at least one of them is um was a producer Ro- a,
1: Roger Roger Moore Ronald Lizard Ronald Moore? Moore. Yeah, um, and I feel like uh the the Depths of the emotion and the violence and the sadness of Deep Space Nine can be, like, seen in Echoes and Battlestar. And, like, the timey wimey if to use a Doctor Who phrase, um, can also be seen in that, too. There's, like, there's dad issues across all those shows.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Science fiction is truly born out of da- dad issues, if you think about it. A lot of it is, yeah. Really makes you think. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> um baseball.
1: <laughs> baseball baseball oh man so one of the things that i've had to argue about most on the internet uh is cisco's love of the ancient sport of baseball mm-hmm. married how do you feel about cisco loving baseball
0: <laughs> i think it's good <laughs> i um i don't know like every star star trek character like every starfleet character i feel like has some weird obsession with like some historical thing yes um, like picard i feel like has some stuff like picard is like in a philosophy um cisco is into art but he's also like deeply deeply into baseball
1: oh he's like like a nerd jack he's like yeah. it's like if i were into jousting right it's like he has holodeck
0: <laughs> programs holosuite programs to play baseball that's like i think the very first episode involves baseball um, there's like a game, there's an episode like in, later on where he like challenges some Romulan, I think, who like beat him at wrestling one time to baseball. Um, and it's like really serious and intense. And I think the Romulan, maybe Romulan or Vulcan, maybe their team is called like the logicians, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is the Romulans because I believe that it was right after the Federation and the Romulans um decided to fight against uh the Dominion together.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, no no. Dad Cisco, he loves him some baseball. It's really cute. I mean, like, you know, people our age go to medieval times all the time. It's not like really too too crazy. Um and I totally agree with you. Every Star Trek captain has something weird like that. Like wasn't Janeway like basically dating Da Vinci in like a holiday <laughs> program? I don't
0: Uh I never watched that much Voyager, but that seems like something that I would love to be true.
1: Yeah, like like it was like they had some kind of like weird like it was either like a dad relationship or oh yeah yeah yep. she goes and hangs
0: out with them with them
1: yeah she hangs out with him all the time uh, I just don't think I think that out of all of these things I don't know Picard with his flute and his philosophy garbage and uh, and Janeway with her uh, Da Vinci thing I feel like Cisco being into baseball is actually the most realistic. Out of all of those things even though they're saying it's like this ancient sport i mean it's just like i mean we're still playing chess and that's like ancient as hell yeah it's not crazy i think it's
0: good i think it's good it is it's good act- it's good actually yes it
1: is damn it i'm like am <laughs> pounding my fist on the well, table there's the
0: great speech in the i think it is the pilot where he explains humans through like baseball basically
1: oh yeah you're right Mm -hmm. oh my god i only vaguely remember that can you can you tell me about that because i actually forgot a lot about i think he's like
0: explaining he's talking to the prophets and they're like oh we see like you know like what are what's people's deal like um god i don't remember much of it but he's i think he's basically trying to explain like that people are just like uh, explorers and like learners and um oh god it's, I'll put a link to <laughs> in the show notes cuz it's a good speech but I don't remember much of it <laughs> but I do remember that really all the good. prophets are there and cuz they always appear as um like members of the crew and like Cisco's family and stuff and then they're all dressed up for baseball and they're talking to him about baseball
1: That's so freaking nerdy I love it so much I also think it's so interesting that Um, In Star Trek and I think other science fiction, humans are depicted as um, these – like they're consumed by curiosity. You know, Mm -hmm. we're explorers. We are um, constantly trying to learn. Uh, And I – man, I I wish that so much more of humanity actually reflected that because what a a beautiful (laughs) drive to have and like what a beautiful reason to reach out is to just want to know, you know, rather than wanting to conquer or wanting more stuff. You know, in Starfleet. Um, and I think in, in particularly personifying it, Cisco, like he's just trying to know more and uh, communicate more and connect more and bring the Bajorans into the Federation and like make everybody OK. And yeah, it's like a, a, a beautiful human quality to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Man, I wish life was Star Trek.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: Wouldn't that be dope?
0: There's a lot of good things about it, although there's also this weird. There's a lot of weird underbelly stuff to Star Trek that doesn't get talked about much. Like what? Well, just like the Federation being like,
1: oh yeah, pseudo utopian,
0: right, right. but also like, uh, like weirdly kind of, uh, I don't know, enforced sort of system. There's actually stuff in Deep Space Nine about this, about the Maquis, um, who are these sort of like. These frontier federation folks who like went and settled on these these planets, and um, and then during like basically because uh the federation and Cardassia are at war, and then they like sort of reshuffle these boundaries and like make negotiations and things, and like basically these people are like cut out of um of the federation, um, or they're basically abandoned by the federation, and then they um they feel like they have to take things into their own hands. And so there's sort of this like freedom fighter motif going on about like the conflict between like Cisco embodying like um, official policy and like the government. And then like, there's this guy Eddington who fucking sucks. Oh, Um, he sucks. But he, because he like betrays Cisco and everyone and just is the fucking worst. But like the McKee are like, it tries to describe them as like, well, they're doing what they think is right. And like, they are taking action because they've been failed by their, Like the the people that are supposed to protect and stand for them.
1: Yeah, I feel like all of the like Federation stuff that sucks, like everything that is the seedy underbelly of the Federation is is a combination of two things. Um, One, it's a uh, too much compromise in the name of safety is, like, the number one problem that the Federation has, and then number two is just, like, shitty bureaucracy. Like, the whole thing is, like, well, we signed these papers, so I guess you can't live here anymore. Like, it's, it was very, like um, – it just reminds me of, of my home, the United States. It's just like uh, like over and over again, people are failed by the need for feeling like you're safe. So there's that episode where uh, they discover that the Dominion, the, um, you know, the shapeshifters have potentially infiltrated Earth. And there's, mm. you know. Um, there's the an attack on earth and so now they're doing blood screenings and they're doing and they're you know d- d- taking all these measures to like verify that everybody's is um, a solid and not a changeling mm-hmm. but of course the dominion finds ways around those and we've just violated everybody's privacy for no reason um, and, and I think that, that they do a really good job of, of dealing with that and the consequences for um, compromising too much in the name of safety I think they do they do a dope job
0: Okay, the episode in the Pale Moonlight.
1: Well, yeah. I think that's oh, what it's yeah. called. Oh, my God, Merit! The so episode, I love it so much. Oh, I love my it. God. Okay, it's basically so the whole
0: idea of this episode is, like, the Federation is doing very poorly in the Dominion War, and Sisko wants to bring the Romulans into the war, but the Romulans are the Federation's old enemy, and so he basically fabricates evidence, uh, and shows it to like he he sees out garrick who is like this we haven't talked about him much but he we do talk about him on an upcoming episode so stay tuned for that um garrick
1: is like the best the character he's in so the entire good. series but he he's but a like, simple tailor is,
0: he's a simple tailor he's not uh, <laughs> an ex-spy master for the obsidian order the cardassian intelligence swing um but so he basically asks Garrick to help him fabricate this evidence to bring the Romulans into the war on the Federation side. Um, and it fails. And the Romulan senator realizes what has happened. And then Garrick, Garrick blows his ship up on the way back um, to basically trick the Romulans into thinking that the Dominion killed him off before he could report back about... Uh, what Cisco had told him, and it successfully brings the Romulans into the war. And the entire episode is told through Cisco. I mean, there's like you know usual shots as well, but like it, it cuts back to Cisco every once in a while, telling his, uh, the his personal log what he did and why he did it. And he's just sort of staring right at the camera the whole time, and explaining why he did these things. And at the very end, he just like he deletes the log. <laughs>
1: oh god it's so good it is such a good episode and and uh would i do it again or whatever how does it end i forgot the last line
0: oh my god um what's
1: the episode called again
0: okay it's in the pale moonlight this is how this is the the last like monologue he says
1: because because the last monologue is insane he
0: says so i lied i cheated i bribed men to cover the crimes of other men i am an accessory to murder But the most damning thing of all, I think I can live with it. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. Garrick was right about one thing. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. So I will learn to live with it. Because I can live with it. I can live with it.
1: Oh, I got And then he's just like,
0: computer, erase that entire personal log.
1: Oh my god, Whoa. I've actually got goosebumps. Yeah,
0: it's so much. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and it's one of these moments where he's forced to sort of make this really difficult decision um that is not something that I could see Picard or, uh doing. Um yeah. and um and it does like swing the war. <laughs> um and yeah. like the whole basically the whole beginning of the episode is set up with just like this war is killing like uncountable numbers of people, like It's just hell, and like the Romulans could could end it, but they're sort of sitting aside right now because they don't really have a personal stake in it. Um, and he just does these kind of horrible things. uh, Oh, yeah, to make this happen.
1: But I feel like you end the episode feeling like, okay, yeah, man, all right, like I guess that's what you had to do, Uh, man. And those last two lines, the "I can live with it" lines, it was like in that moment. Cisco had been dad and like became daddy, you know? <laughs> like he got so intense there. And like I, I think he just did, he made a really good case for like why he did the things he did. Uh, and man, damn, what a good episode. Just, again, like, so the thing about Deep Space Nine is I feel like every series of Star Trek can be spotty, you know? Like, if you're going to go watch Deep Space Nine, you're probably going to skip most in the mirror episodes and, like, blah, blah, blah. But the episodes of Deep Space Nine that are good are, like, they're art. They are, like, looking at a freaking painting for 45 minutes. And, like, that is definitely one of those episodes. Oh, Avery Brooks. <laughs> Yeah, but, man, when you're dead, sometimes you've got to make the tough calls. Um, I don't remember what episode it was, um, but somebody was, like, arguing with Cisco, and he ends the argument with something like – like, he kind of, like – Puffs up his chest and does this like aggressive stance, and like lays down the law and he reminds them he literally says to the camera like i 'm not Picard uh, and that episode is such a not Picard episode um, <laughs> I think that really like like falls in line with like this was the this is this is the the expose Star trek this is the other side of the war, uh, and that 's such a good example of like how deep, deep space nine goes.
0: I think that's actually an episode where he hits Q. <laughs> yeah! Oh
1: my God! Where he's just like, finally Picard never
0: Q. hit me. And he's like, I'm not
1: Picard. <laughs> I'm not Picard. Oh God. I love Cisco so much more than Picard. I honestly don't know why people think that Picard is the best captain. I really think they just haven't seen enough deep, enough deep space nine. I truly believe that. He's just, he, I think exemplifies so many wonderful qualities. He's a good captain. And he's a good dad. And my God, I stand by that statement.
0: Yeah. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was really fun. I'm so glad we got to talk about Cisco.
1: Oh my God. I'm excited every time I get to talk about Cisco. I'm literally doing it always. Thank you so much for having me. I, this was delightful. I actually had to get up out of my chair and like pace back and forth a couple of <laughs> times. I just I get really really hype talking about Star Trek, so thank you.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I am right there with you. Um, do you want to tell people about the podcast uh, in case they maybe haven't heard the last episode? And if they haven't, I mean, the last episode you were on. Um, if they haven't, they should really go back and listen to that because it was it was amazing. Um, but you do this podcast called Friendshipping.
1: Oh yeah, I do. I, I for some reason I thought you were talking about the Mister Rogers episode. Oh sorry, of yeah. Felix. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um so friendshippingpodcast.com, um, my buddy Jen and I answer friendship queries from the internet uh, and giggle. Um, and then occasionally we will dissect friendships in in movies, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's mostly like a 20 to 30 minute uh, conversation with me and Jen um, talking about some friendship advice and complimenting each other. So yeah, awesome it's friendshipping.
0: <laughs> Great. Um, well, thank you again so much um and i will i will talk to you soon and everyone else please come back next week for another episode of track month dad feelings bye kiddos dad feelings is hosted by merrick k and produced and edited by me nick bravo dad feelings is a part of stay mean the world's only podcast network we're entirely listener supported if you enjoy the show Please consider becoming a patron of Say Me at dadfeelings.com slash support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz, off their album Oil Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuis for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at DadFeelings and at Save Mean
1: Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.